Hey everyone, welcome to the Prince of Peace podcast, where our aim is to help you live and love like Jesus. I'm Lauren Hlaud, one of the pastors of Prince of Peace. We're glad that you're here and we hope you enjoy. Growing up, I had a few strange idols for someone born in my generation. People that I idolized, I, I, I loved. Any guesses who, who they might be? Any guesses? Who were young Lauren's idols? Last night, 5 o'clock, they got one of them. Elvis, that's right. I've preached about Elvis before. I've talked about Elvis, but I'm a huge Elvis fan. Always have. I've been to Graceland six times. And uh, one of those times, my, we were touring um, uh, the Lisa Marie, Elvis's plane, you know, that you could go walk up on, and, and my sister and I were, were walking, and my sister Jenny was pretty clumsy, and she tripped, and she fell on the bed in the plane, and alarms went off. They must have rigged it, because maybe people were trying to steal the linens, and all of, you know, the Memphis Mafia, which was Elvis, anyway, uh, there were his security guards, they came and swarmed the plane. They thought we were stealing things. I loved Elvis, but I also loved cowboys, in big part uh, because my dad loved cowboy shows, western movies, and I have so many fond memories of my father on a lazy Tuesday evening or a lazy Saturday morning watching Gunsmoke. I mean, my dad loved Western so much that I was named after Lauren Green from Bonanza. That's, that's where it comes from, folks. And I remember being really little and sort of complaining about it. I was always told, you're named after that guy. And I remember one night at the dinner table, I was sort of complaining, why is my name Lauren? Nobody else has this name. I'm a boy, and it's, you know, Lauren is a girl's name, and this is so strange. And my mom looked at me, and she said, you just be grateful. We didn't name you Hoss. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. But more than even the cowboys, who I really fell in love with as a little kid, was Davy Crockett. Davy Crockett, king of the wild frontier. And what I loved about Davy Crockett and what I loved about John Wayne or Clint Eastwood or these cowboy shows was the unflinching confidence that these cowboys or these frontiersmen seemed to embody. I was enamored with it because I was a kid who wasn't all too confident in reality. I was sort of a runt in the neighborhood. I didn't hit my growth spurt until high school. I, I had this awkward name I felt, Lorne, and I, I slurred all of my speech. I was in speech therapy from the time I could talk till I was well into junior high school, and, and so I was prone to being picked on, but, but at home, watching Gunsmoke or putting in the, the Disney rendition of Davy Crockett, man, I was, an, I was a totally different kid. My mom even uh, made me a, um, a, da- a Davy Crockett Frontiersman outfit with the fringe and everything. She actually made me two of them because I outgrew one, so I needed another one. I, I went as Davy Crockett for Halloween every year for probably four or five years. I loved Davy Crockett. 
And I loved to put on the VHS, the, the local movie store, uh, before Blockbuster was in town. It was a local mom and pop shop. And we rented Davy Crockett, the VHS, so many times that one year for Christmas, they gifted it to our family. <laughs> I'm not kidding. They, they said, you are the only family that has rented this movie in like two years. It's yours. <laughs> you've, you've more than paid for it. And I would put on that VHS and I would hide behind my dad's uh, recliner. It's this brown, velvety, lazy boy that was so hideous. But you know how dads like their lazy boys. And I would hide behind that with my coonskin cap on and my Davy Crockett rifle. And during all the action scenes, I would roll out from behind it and I'd shoot at the TV and I would roll back. I loved it. And, and it, it was all of, all of that bravado and that confidence. I mean, Davy Crockett in the, in the movie says that, that he grinned down a bear. Do you remember that? He could just grin and a bear would just run away. The thought of that, the thought of that inspired me. And I have to think that even when I got into junior high and high school and I quit wearing my coonskin cap, um, that sort of ethic of what it what it meant in my mind's eye to be a man was still driving a, a, lot, of, a lot of young Lorne, right? I grew up with this image that, that to be a man meant that you were that cowboy who, who, who nothing phased you. you. You always had the result. Make my day, right? You were just tough. You were secure. You were... You were unflinched by whatever situation you'd be going through. You could be walking 12 paces back and turning around and being shot at, and you wouldn't even move, right? We all have the image of the cowboy. And I have to think that it was a part of that that was behind my desire to, to join the army. Uh, you, you know, I, I joined the army out of high school because I was a patriotic Midwestern boy, and and I wanted to serve our country. My grandfather served in, in World War II in the Korean War. And I, I felt part of it was my, my calling at the time, my duty. But, but there was a big part of that decision, I think, that was wrapped up in wanting to become a man. Wanting to, to, to feel more confident than I, than, than I really felt. And maybe the army will give me that confidence. Maybe I'll, then I'll be proud of who I am, not just in my living room watching gun smoke, but, but, but out there in, in the real world. And so that's what I did. And I've preached a number of sermons. I've shared a, a few different stories about my time in the, in the military and specifically my deployment in Iraq. But, but you know, I learned really quickly um, that, that being afraid, feeling afraid is something that every cowboy or soldier feels. It didn't take long being deployed in Iraq to, to feel terrified, to feel afraid of everything that was happening. 2006 and 2007 were the two deadliest years for U.S. casualties in the war in Iraq, and that's right where I was planted. And all of these feelings of of putting on my, I wasn't putting on a, a coonskin cap anymore or, or my fringe. I was putting on a uniform, but, but putting on the uniform didn't really make me feel that fearless. 
I had the fear in, inside. It was swirling all around, and I didn't really know what to do with it because I had this image in my mind that to be a soldier meant that you, you had to be fearless. You, you had to go out and be, be unflinched by whatever circumstance was around you, but there was this dissonance, this disconnect in, inside of me, and I, I started to wonder if maybe I wasn't cut out for being a soldier. Maybe it was something other people were made for. And I remember looking around at other soldiers and thinking, they seem so confident and, and they seem like a better soldier than I am because I, I just, I'm terrified. So one day, after a number of months and a number of circumstances, I went to go see the chaplain on the base. I had started going uh, to worship a, a few times on, on the base and and I decided to set up an appointment with the chaplain, and, and we met, and, and I remember sitting down with him, and, I, and I, he said, what's going on, soldier? And I, I just broke down. I, I allowed myself to be vulnerable for the first time in a very, very long time, and I said, I'm feeling so afraid of everything, and I'm wondering if, if that means I'm, I'm not a very good soldier. I'm wondering if that means I'm not cut out for this. And I said, I'm, I'm also, I've been reading the Bible some. I've been trying to learn how to do this. At this point, I had already been medically evacuated to Kuwait and Germany, and I was back in Iraq, and I had that transformation of heart and this newfound faith, and so I was trying to learn about God. And, and as I was reading the scriptures, I, I kept reading over and over again in the Gospels and even in the Old Testament, the, the, the words, the phrase, do not be afraid. And I remember reading that in the Gospels, and I remember thinking, how is that possible, Jesus? How can we not be afraid? So I went to one of the computer labs. I told the chaplain this on the base, and it took a half an hour to dial up the internet, and, and I did a Yahoo or a Google search back then, and I, I put in that phrase, the Bible, do not be afraid. And I remember clicking on a link that said it occurred over 116 times in Scripture, that phrase, do not be afraid. It turns out it's true. Do not be afraid is one of the core messages through all of Scripture. There's, uh, you could argue there's not a phrase or a sentiment that isn't repeated more throughout the Bible. It is a core theme and a core message. So here I was with the chaplain, feeling like I was a failed soldier because I'm feeling afraid, and also wondering if, if I don't have what it takes to be a Christian, to be a person of faith. Because God seems to be telling us over and again, do not be afraid. <laughs> but the reality is we all live with fears, don't we? You do and I do. You don't have to be a soldier deployed in a combat zone to be afraid. Does anyone ever wake up with the what ifs at 2.30 a.m.? I don't know why it's 2.30, but it's always around 2.30. The what ifs. What if I'm not performing well at my job? And what if my employer th thinks I'm not doing a good job? What, what, what if I lose that job? How, how will I pay the mortgage? What, what, if, what if my kids who are out with friends right now are, are getting in trouble? What, what if my adult daughter or son is 
dating the wrong person and they end up marrying the wrong person. What, what, if, what if I'm not saving enough for retirement? What if, what if, what if? We all know what it is like to have fear, don't we? To feel afraid, to feel concerned. And the chaplain there, that Sunday in Iraq, many years ago, he said, I want you to know that it's normal to feel afraid. He said, do you know Jesus was afraid? He felt fear. He felt fear. And the chaplain pointed to right before the, the crucifixion where Jesus was praying in the garden and he's, he's sweating so profusely that scripture tells us it was like drops of blood falling off of him. Do, do you know that Jesus was afraid? That Jesus felt fear? Jesus said, Father, remove this cup from me. Jesus did not want to die. He felt fear. And then the the chaplain said, do you know that the disciples felt afraid as well? And he actually pointed to our passage for today, John chapter 20. And he talked about those disciples in that locked room feeling afraid. Their Lord, their Messiah, the one they gave their life to had been crucified and his body thrown in a tomb. And now they're locked away for fear that what happened to Jesus might happen to them that they might be arrested. What if, what if, what if? And then he pointed to one of those passages that says, do not be afraid. And he said, I I want you to read this. Read it aloud, soldier. So I read it. Do not be afraid. I said, "I, I know that this is what I'm struggling with. This is what I'm, he said, read it again. Do not Be afraid. And he said, okay, what does this word say right here? I read, it says be. He said, that's right. It says do not be afraid. It does not say do not feel afraid. And there's a big difference. Well, I'm all ears, (laughs) Jappy. Tell me about it. Feeling afraid is normal, he said. It's a part of being human. You will feel afraid, and it won't stop when you're no longer deployed in Iraq. You're going to feel afraid throughout your whole life. Different circumstances, different things will come up in your life, and you will feel afraid. You should never be ashamed for your feelings. You are a human being with a heart that aches and breaks. You will feel many things. But he said, I think what what the message is through all of Scripture with not being afraid, he said, I want you to replace. You could actually translate. And back then, I didn't know much about Greek or Aramaic or even Hebrew in the Old Testament. But he said, you could translate this from being to living. Do not live afraid. There's a difference. You're allowed to feel afraid. But do not set up your life. Do not make the most important decisions. Do not live with fear as your guiding force. He said, think of your own training, right, as a soldier. 
We train you on drills and scenarios and all of these things so that you don't act with fear. You act based off your training. You act based off of what you've been told and what you've learned so that when life happens, you act and you move forward. Do not live afraid. I've thought about that a lot over the years. What does it mean to to not live afraid, even if I'm feeling afraid? And as I've thought about it, I, I think it's so applicable because we all do know what it's like to live afraid. Do you know that living afraid, it's, it's living with jealousy. Where does jealousy come from? A feeling of I'm, I'm living, I'm acting jealous, right? I'm acting jealous. Why am I acting jealous? I'm, I'm living with fear that a relationship or a scenario won't, will be taken away from me. Do you know that living afraid is, is living with a lack of generosity? It's making decisions and, and hoarding for ourselves that which should be shared with others. We live afraid when we isolate ourselves and lock ourselves away. We live afraid when we live with a scarcity mindset about relationships and people and the world, when we, when we live not trusting others. You can feel afraid, you can feel scared, but do not live scared. That's what courage is, the chaplain said. It's feeling afraid and stepping forward in the midst of your fear anyway. The disciples were not only feeling afraid, they were living afraid. And nobody can really blame them. I mean, it was a horrendous crucifixion. Their whole world was crippled beneath them. Think of Peter in particular. Peter was the disciple who was always so bold to tell Jesus that that he would be with him no matter what. No matter where you go, Lord, I'm going to go. I'm so confident, Jesus. To the point of death, Peter tells Jesus. And then life happens and Peter runs away scared, right? He's, he's making decisions because of his feelings. And then he's around that fire outside of the courtyard as Jesus is being interrogated and beaten. And, and he's asked three times, aren't you with him? And Peter three times denies knowing Jesus. He's not just feeling afraid, he's acting afraid. And we can't really blame him, right? Because we, we see ourselves in him. But think of the transformation that happens. In the resurrection, Jesus comes to those disciples, Peter included, and what does he say? What is the verb? Peace be with you. In other words, through the resurrection, you can now live in peace. You can act in peace. You don't need to act in fear anymore because you know the end of the story. You know that an arrest, a trial, and a crucifixion won't be the end of the story. You know that God's light and love will win. And then in our little reading from Acts today, in the book of Acts, post-resurrection, do you see how Peter's living now? Peter, the one who is afraid to be associated with Jesus, is drugged before the Sanhedrin because Peter was boldly proclaiming the message of the gospel. And this was a crime. It would have been a crime to still proclaim the message of the gospel. And yet Peter now is drugged before the Sanhedrin 
And Peter boldly says, I have to proclaim the gospel. We are witnesses to these things. You see, resurrection, resurrection equips us and fuels us to live with courage. To live with courage. Because we know the end of the story. No matter what hardship we'll face, no matter matter what feelings we will feel throughout this world, we can rest assured with confidence that in the end, God will win. No matter what. Even if we have nights and days and years of, of feeling tormented, we can trust that through the gospel, God has hallowed every grave, ours included. So what would it look like for us to not make decisions as people or a congregation based off of our feelings, but instead based off of what we know to be true about the gospel? How might we take one step out in courage? How might we risk a little bit more for the sake of spreading the message of love and life in our homes, in our relationships, in our communities, and around the world? What would it look like to have resurrection confidence? To not allow our feelings of scarcity to make us spiral down away into locked rooms, but to open those doors and to walk through them with bold confidence that God is always with us. All the time without exception. Noah right now is afraid of a lot of things. He's five years old and he's afraid to go potty by himself. Your kid ever been there? That's where he is. And he'll say, Daddy, Daddy, I have to go potty. And I said, okay, go ahead and go potty. You know how to do it. You're five. I want you to come with me. And I always say to him, Noah, I know you're feeling afraid, but you can do it. I'm right here. But I want you to be right here, Daddy. I know you're feeling afraid, but you can do it. I'm right here. This process has started with me being right by the toilet to slowly now I can be an arm's length away and I can be halfway in the kitchen (laughs) and maybe one day soon I'll be in the other room. But what will not change is that I am with my son and your heavenly father is always with you. Thanks for tuning in to the Prince of Peace podcast. I hope that today's message has brought comfort and inspiration to your life. Have a great rest of the week.